we've got a family tradition, Ann and I do, and the tradition, it's for the last about 35 years, um, it's that mama don't cook on Friday night, okay? That's the rule, Alan, if you want to eat, I'm not cooking on Friday night. Kids, if you want to eat, mama don't cook on Friday night. I've had it, that's it. So my job, it even goes now, even though the kids are gone, still, Alan, it's date night. So we've changed it from Mama Don't Cook to date night, okay, which is cool. I like that. Uh, but my job is to find a place to eat. And uh, so when I Google, good place, I get kind of tired, you know, I Google, and uh, it, all these fusion restaurants come up. You know what I mean? And I have no idea what fusion food is, okay? So I'm, and I'm a little scared, like, ugh, I don't know. And I, you know, I'd hate to go and not like it. But you see it, it's kind of like the thing now, it seems like. Uh, and I know maybe there's people in the front row, they kind of like fusion food a little bit. That's what your daughter says, okay? <laughs> you call it something else, right? But fusion food, I found out, is when you take different ingredients, right, some different cooking techniques, some culinary traditions from different cultures, okay, and you merge them together to create something that's awesome, right? So we take all these different things from different traditions and cultures and all that, and we put them together, and we make something unique, and it's cool. Fusion food. Is that okay? The way I describe that, pretty good. Dean, you like fusion food? I don't know. Well, no, I don't either. I don't either. I'm afraid of it, but it sounds cool. Um, so I have a question. In what way should the church, or is the church, like fusion food? How, are they, how should they be similar, or how are they similar? And Paul, believe it or not, answers that question in Galatians. You thought Galatians was about something, I thought, not you. Y'all knew this, but I didn't. It was about something a long time ago, but really it was about fusion food. You know, how the church is like fusion food. He answers that question. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The passage is Galatians 6. One through five, he doesn't answer the question in that passage. But you know, it was written to a church that had different cultures in the church. We had Jews and we had Gentiles. And they didn't really eat together, all right? They didn't, I don't know if they liked each other or not. I'm sure some of them liked some of them, right? But they were in conflict over some theological issues and some cultural issues. And it even impacted the way they ate because the Jews could eat some food. They could not eat some food, and the Gentiles were free to eat it. Um, so um, there was some conflict or some differences. And so that's what Paul, that's the context that he's writing this book of Galatians, all right? And there's a key passage that I want to talk about before we get to Galatians chapter 6, and it comes from 
chapter 3, verse, uh, let me read, I can just read the verses to you, verse 26 and 28. He says, in Jesus Christ, you all, both you Jews and you Gentiles, all of you are sons and daughters of God through faith, right? It's not because we keep the law, but it's through faith. But the emphasis is all of you are in the family of God. You're a son or a daughter. You are a child of God. You're in the same family through faith in Jesus Christ. He says there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's not slave or free. There's not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the emphasis here is, hey, you guys are one. You're in the family. You're related to each other, and you're one. He's talking about, hey, you're together in this church, in this entity, okay? And there's, but there's one ingredient that's essential to this oneness, and it's grace, which is love, freely given, right? The Jews show grace to the Gentiles. The, great, the Gentiles show grace to the Jews. And I like to think about it, love, godly love, agape love, freely given. You know, I love you freely without, you know, any qualifications, no matter if I don't like your food or not, I love you. If I don't like the way you do this or that, I love you, right? With godly love. You know, we, Paul, in, this, in these verse, we are in community first with God, right? We're sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is a grace event, right? God poured out his love on us on the cross. He just poured it out. He loved us so much that in spite of ourselves, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And we're brought into the family because of his grace. It's freely given. This love is poured out freely. I didn't earn it. I did, it wasn't special. The Jews weren't special. The Greeks weren't special. He just did it. Our relationship with God is through grace. And we're, the other thing is, that's important for us to see, and the other thing is the community with each other, right? This oneness. And in the book of Galatians, Paul says this oneness that we have is through grace. You don't earn your way in, right? It's not that, you're in, the king, you're in God's family because you deserve it more than I deserve it, right? We all are brothers and sisters in Christ. So this idea of oneness is super important. It's very, very important. Our unity in the grace, as a grace community, you know, it, it tells the world about who God is. It declares the glory of God. So in this passage today, now we'll get to Galatians 6, okay? Paul talks about three things that help us 
stay in community or that enhance our community, but he, ta he talks about three ways we can give grace to each other so that our community stays together. So he's particularly talking to the Jews and Gentiles, and he says, okay, here's three areas that you need to show grace to each other, but it applies to us also, right? It's just a general dissertation, exhortation on grace. So let me read the passage, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. All right. He says, this is six, Galatians 6, 1. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in respect to another. For each one will bear his own load. So before we start, I mean, we're started, okay? There's three things that Paul talks about, three ways we need to give grace. But there's a key phrase right in the middle of this, and it's the law of Christ. And so I want to talk about that first. What is the law of Christ? And the answer is it's love freely given. Okay? Jesus tells his disciples, uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you love one another. That's the new commandment that we love each other in the same way that Jesus loves us. That's the law of Christ. It's important for us to remember this or think about it as we look at these verses. So how did God love us? He sent his son, right? Jesus gave himself sacrificially for us, for the good of the world, because he loved the world. And he did that with, he, without regard to the cost to him, right? It cost him Hey, he gave up Jesus, gave up heaven. He came down, he took on the form of a man. He left his home. He came down there. He changed his lifestyle, and he gave his life. It cost him a lot. So he loved us, sacrificially gave himself, even though it was extremely, extremely expensive, without regard to the cost. He also gives his love Without, without regard to our merit, whether or not we deserved it or not did not enter into it because we didn't deserve it, right? We were all sinners. He didn't look and say, hey, there's a bunch of guys down there, girls, not guys, because guys aren't good. There's a bunch of good girls down there, right? And I'm going to send my son to die for them because they deserve it. No, right? Without regard to the merit of the world. 
And then he also gave himself sacrificially without regard to the response that he was going to get. Right? He died for the sins of the world. And he knew there were going to be some people that were going to reject him. They were going to say no. But he still said, hey, my sacrifice is sufficient for you. I came and died for you. So that you, if you choose to, you can have, through faith, have life. So Jesus gave himself sacrificially, right, without regard to the cost to him, without regard to the merit of the other, and without regard of the response that he was going to get, okay? And he says we are to love in the same way. So it says, and this is helpful for me to think about this, that Alan, to love another in a godly way is to give yourself in a sacrificial way for the good of another person without regard to the cost to you, without regard to the merit of the other person, and without regard to the response you're going to get. Um, And that can be difficult sometimes to, to do that, but it helps me to think about it that way. You know, sometimes, and I think the last one's important too. How many times have you heard, you know, I did this for this person, but they just, they just didn't, they never even told me thanks, right? They acted like I didn't care, right? They don't even like me, right? I do something and they don't even respond. I'm just not going to do it again. Have, have you ever said that? I have, right? Have you ever heard it? Yeah. God, though, hey, I've done it. It's yours. It's grace, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't merit it. And it's, it's love freely given. Okay? And Paul says, okay, there's three ways that we can freely give love, three areas in the church where you can give grace, where you should give grace. All right? Love freely given. And the first is to a brother or a sister in sin. And more brothers are in sin than sisters are in sin, I'm sure. But to a brother in sin, we give show grace to a brother in sin. He says, brother, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you also be tested. If anyone's caught, now that doesn't mean, ah, I caught you. Uh-huh. We've got the... You know, we've got the sin police running around the church, right, looking to see who's sinning. You know, the other day I was driving, I forget exactly where I was, the police car was hidden perfectly, like just waiting for to catch someone. I'm, I'm judging him, aren't I? He may have been taking a nap, I don't know. But, you know, it's not, we don't, caught doesn't mean I caught you. What it means is you're caught up in, you're entangled it's like a net, sin threw a net over you, and you're trying to get out of it, and you can't get out of it. You're caught up in it. Or I was trying to run away from it, and it overcame me. And if there's a brother that's caught up in that, maybe, you know, maybe someone's got 
a problem with alcohol or gambling or pornography or you know immorality or just something right he says you who are spiritual restore such a one and the idea you who are spiritual Dean last week talked about walking in the spirit we don't walk in the flesh but we walk in the spirit and you who are spiritual I think Paul's referring to those that are walking in the spirit and you know Paul in in um, it's 2nd Corinthians 2 I think I know I'm having a a mental block okay 1st Corinthians 2 15 he talks about hey a natural man cannot understand the things of God because they're spiritual things but a spiritual man somebody that has the spirit can discern all things because he's got the spirit of God in him and I think what Paul is saying is you who are spiritual you're walking by the spirit you're connected you're listening to the spirit you're you're informed by the spirit in Hebrews it talks about um, um, desiring the pure milk of the word you know some of you are still babes but you who have some experience and some age okay some maturity are able through your connection to the word to discern good and evil so you who are spirituals hey there's spiritual discernment in this these people's lives they're walking in the spirit they're connected to the spirit it's plural you who are spiritual that's a plural word so Paul's probably emphasizing this isn't just me coming to you it's like a couple of us kind of see the same thing maybe right or we recognize it and we go together to restore that person the goal is restoration you who are spiritual restore such a one and the idea of restoring is to mend to put back together right it's it's used once or in secular Greek to put bones back together to set a bone something's been broken we restore it we put it back together and so the sin maybe is causing an issue in the fellowship or or whatever and we help put it back together to mend it to make it right you know and that's the goal oftentimes in a church the goal is not restoration it's excommunication or discipline and we don't hear that here which is fine with me but in uh, in the churches over in southeast Europe uh, I don't know how it is in in Mali or in Africa how it is but some of those churches discipline is a very important thing right and we talk about discipline 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 and I'm like people right we should be talking about restoration how do we restore this brother back into the fellowship how do we help restore him to experience the, the, the grace of God that's freely given to him and then he says in a spirit of gentleness or meekness right and Jesus says hey I'm you know take my yoke upon you for I'm meek or I'm 
yeah, meek and lowly of heart, right? I'm gentle and lowly of heart. You know, we, um, meekness is an interesting word for me. I'm not very meek. I'm sorry. It's one of my uh, problems. I have several problems, and that's uh, one of them. <laughs> you know, patience is probably my worst issue. And when I get impatient, I'm not very meek, all right? Jesus says the meek are going to inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And um, meekness is not being a bully, honestly. And, you know, I've watched it. I don't see it here much. Albania, you go to the, the tax office. There's no meekness in the tax office. You argue. You fight. You persuade hardly, I mean, with vigor, to try to get your way, you know, and I do that a lot. Somebody calls me on the phone, I call somebody on the phone to get my prescription changed or whatever, no, you better, you know, and like, Alan, chill out, bro, you know, don't, you're arguing way too much with this person, and uh, Jesus is just, hey, the meek's going to inherit the earth. You don't have to be aggressive, right? Meekness is like, it's, okay. I don't, need, I don't need to explain that anymore, do I? Meekness. It's in a spirit of meekness. I'm approachable to that person, right? I'm not coming to them like this, hey, right? And it's not even like, hey. It's somehow, it's like, hey, you know? Um, uh, and he says, consider yourself, lest you be uh, tested yourself. And, you know, Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians says, he's talking about how all these things that happened in the past were given for our instruction. He talks about how Israel fell and fell and fell and fell and fell. And he says, hey, you who stand, take heed lest you fall. None of us are immune to sin. None of us are immune and, you know, and maybe if I think, hey, I'm a pretty good person to counsel people and to correct people, you know, now all of a sudden pride's beginning to work in my heart. But he says, be careful. Watch out for yourself. Check your own heart. Um, make sure you've removed that thing out of your own eye before you try to deal with your brother or sister. So the question for us is... Are we a place of disentanglement? How do you like that word? Are we a place where we can help people get disentangled from sin? Are we just neutral? We just like whatever? And uh, I think most churches are kind of like whatever, right? We'll just kind of ignore you and act like it didn't happen. But are we a place that can help people as they struggle with stuff. I want to tell you a story, even though we don't have a lot of time. Wait, we got till 11.30, right? 11.45, no. I would not be here today, standing right here, if it wasn't for someone doing this with me. Uh, back when I, I had a friend in university, Bill Allen was his name. He was a believer. He, he was in university, he was a young believer, but... He was a, a friend, and we went to church together, and we uh, uh, shared together and stuff like that. 
But I'm ashamed to say we drank a lot of beer together. Okay? And uh, I uh, liked beer. And so we went our ways. He went to the Marines. I went to the service. The ser- Mark, you can tell us. The servants, or John, the service isn't exactly a place where you go to be cured of your desire for beer, right? Or revelry or whatever it is, okay? So I went to the service and my affection for Lone Star uh, grew and grew and grew. I'm sorry. I'm ashamed to say this, okay? But that was a long time ago. So Bill, we moved, Ann and I moved to Houston and Bill and his wife Sandy were in Houston too. They lived down close to Greens Point. We lived a little bit further north. And he was a basketball player. I went down one time to his home and we were outside shooting baskets with each other. And he says, hey, Alan, I need to talk to you about something. You know, you, um, your affinity for beer and the craziness that it brings is really impacting or keeping you from having a, an impact for the kingdom of God. He didn't use those exact words, but uh, that's what he said. You, you know, God's, you, God used you in my life early on. I can see how he can use you, but you cannot be used in this condition. He loved me enough as a brother to talk to me about that. And it wasn't two of them. And I don't, today, I don't know how he knew because he and I, you know, we, we didn't go out together. I think maybe Ann was talking to his wife, all right? Sandy, like, <laughs> tell Bill to talk to Alan. But he did. And that moment, 1979, 21 plus 24, that's 45 years ago. All right, I remember it just like it happened last night, and it impacted my life. That was it for me. I quit and began to restore my relationships that maybe I had damaged or whatever, and God allowed God to work in me. So it's important that we do this, that we just don't ignore it. Had he ignored it, I don't think I would be standing here, honestly. So, the next thing, so the first thing, we give grace to a brother who's sinning. We don't condemn him. We don't kick him out, right? We understand, hey, yep, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I. We, we talk to him, us that are spiritual, we don't condemn him. We talk to him, encourage him to help him become disentangled from sin. It takes grace, and God... Paul's saying, hey, it's one way you give this uh, love freely given to your brother. The next is to someone, a brother that's burdened. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. The idea for burden here is a heavy burden. And it comes from a word of being stepped on. It's like someone is walking on you, okay? You are weighed down. Now, it could be from a sin. Some, some theologians think it's way down from sin. It could be, though, that I'm way down from persecution, that I'm being persecuted. 
here in my community, especially back there during Paul's time, right? And this person is struggling more than us because they're, you know, their husband's gone to jail or he lost his job because he's a believer or whatever. It could have been persecution. It could be just something like a death in the family. Uh, you know, Dean and his family right now, it's a pretty heavy burden on them. Um, it could be a sickness. It could be a cultural taboo, right? I'm culturally captured by something, and I can't enjoy grace. I can't eat pork because I'm a Jew, and I don't know what to do because I love the smell of pork, right? Well, okay, if you come to my house, I love you. We're not going to feed you pork. I'm not going to tempt you with cooking pork out on my grill. I don't know what it is. It could be that. But the point is, is that we bear it. That's the emphasis. No matter what it is, whether it's a sin, persecution, an illness, a cultural thing, we bear it. We help him carry the load. Bear means to pick up and to carry, right? So we show grace. Whether or not we could say, you know, that person kind of deserves what they're getting. You ever heard that? Right? If they hadn't done this, then they wouldn't be in that trouble. And so, you know what? I'm just not going to help them. That's like, you're telling me then they've got to earn your help? You know, we are people that show grace regardless of the merit of the other person. We show grace. We help them. We help bear their burden. And the next is to give grace to a brother or a sister with whom I serve. Okay? So we have grace to a, a brother that's sinning, grace to a brother that has a burden that's heavy, and then also grace to people with whom we serve. All right? And this should ring true for all of us, whether you're in the service, whether you work at a school, uh, a machine shop, whether you're retired, whether you're Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback for the Chiefs. This kind of applies. But it especially applies to us. Paul says, be careful. Make, make sure we give grace to each other in this area. He says, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, this is kind of a Paul, right? Nobody's nothing, all right? I think what he's saying is if somebody thinks he's what he's got, he got because he earned it or he deserves it. He needs to understand, no, you were given it. In another place, he says, why do you, if you received it, why do you act as if you did not receive it? Right? Because you know it was given to you. And I think Paul's particularly talking about spiritual gifts here. You know, we, we've got this this oneness individual tension I, I didn't mention this we're one as a family but we're all individuals and then how do we work together as individuals right 
I've got a role, Jeff's got a role, Michelle's got a role, Jane has a role in the church, right? And we have our own things that we do. And if I think, hey, Alan, the reason I preach is because you're good at it, or this, you deserve to preach, you got a message or whatever, it's like, bro, you only do this because of God working in your life. So quit thinking you're special when you're not so special. It's given to you, right? Make sense? And the spiritual gifts, that's what it is. He says, hey, I've given, God's given you a gift as he wills, according to his will, for the good of the body. And so we have a role, we have a function, we have gifts. Every one of you here who has trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a spiritual gift. And it is given to you. You may have a combination of gifts. That's for another subject. But it's given to you to help serve the oneness. Right? Uh, so don't think that I deserve that. Or I, you know, I don't know who Raul thinks he is. Because, you know, I'm a lot better than he is. And Raul's sitting there thinking, come on, Alan, you know I'm better than you. Right, don't do that. We both received it, right? Hump humility. And then he says, but let each one examine his own work, test his own work, and then he will have reason to boast in himself and not in the other. It's like, are you doing what God gave you to do, Alan, or not? Are you doing it marginally? I say, okay, at least I'm doing it better than that person, right? Or, you know, look at that person. They're not doing what they're supposed to do, and we're suffering. And he said, don't do that. Stay in your lane, all right? Uh, we tend to um, compare, right? I compare myself against somebody else. We tend to um, compete with each other a little bit. Oh, I can do better. Just watch, I can do better. And then we tend to condemn each other, too. They're not doing their, their job. Football team, that man was telling me, Alan, you know, look at the play the Chiefs won the Super Bowl with. Everybody had to have their role, right? And everybody had to do their role exactly right. And when they all did their role exactly right, then they were able to have success, and they won the game, right? And when you think about it, Patrick Mahomes is pretty good, but he's probably, uh, Andy Reid probably has a lot to do with Patrick Mahomes' success, with the way he organizes his offense. Y'all probably don't care about football. I'm sorry, I do. The way he organizes the planes, and the pla planes, plays, okay? He puts Mahomes in a situation where he can succeed. He's got to have the coach. He's got to have Kelsey. He's got to have the people block. He's got to have the receivers that run the route exactly right. And it's like, you worry about your job, I'll worry about my job. I need to understand I've been given the job to hike the ball, right? I'm like, Patrick, you didn't throw the ball right. Why didn't you run out here? Why didn't you run out Like, bro, hike the ball, okay? I'm sorry, it sounds a little crude. But that's what Paul's saying here. Examine your own work. If you were given the gift of service, 
serve. You know, if you were given the gift of mercy, show, show mercy. If you're given the gift of, of, of giving, give. Leadership, lead. And, and if you're not, don't worry so much about whether the other person's doing his work or not. Because my work depends between me and God. So give grace. Give grace to your brother. Don't compare. Don't contrast. Don't condemn. Just examine yourself, right? And then make sure, okay, I'm okay. I think I'm doing what God's got me to do. And the last one is um, we bear, everyone's going to bear their own load. I think that's what Paul is saying again is that you have a role. You have, God's given you something to do, a burden to bear. This is a different burden. It's not like the first burden. This burden is like a daily burden. It's more like a backpack, something you pick up and carry. It's not something that you, you know, that is weighing you down, somebody stepping on you. So each one's got, each of us have a role here uh, in the church. Not only here, but in the church. And bear it. So Paul's saying, show grace to the rest of the family by doing what I was given to do. You know, if I don't, if I decide I'm not going to block for Patrick, it's not really showing grace to him, right? I do my job, and he benefits. So three ways that Paul talks about for us, we show grace to a brother in sin, we show grace to a brother that's burdened heavily, and we show grace to each other as we serve. Uh, so it's important, I think, that we understand grace. And I like love freely given. That I give myself in a sacrificial way freely for the good of another person, regardless of the cost to me, regardless of the merit of the other person, and regardless of the answer that I'm going to get. Love freely given. And Paul also, Jesus also says, after he says this new commandment I'm giving to you, he said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. It's super important for us at Creekside as we are in this community in Oak Ridge, in the broader community, that when people see us, they see uh, a community that freely gives love to each other, that gives grace to each other. You know, and I've been thinking, we're a pretty homogeneous, we're rather homogeneous, not completely community. Um, but if we, we blend different cultures, different family traditions, different gifts, you know, these people that are different, they get along so well. And when we see Creekside, we're just seeing one family. 
And we know that inside the family, there's people, there's Republicans, there's Democrats, you know, there's people from here, people from there, but they get along. It's some outstanding fusion food. We should go there and sample some of it. Uh, that's kind of a earthly way of talking about it, but I think that's kind of what Paul, what Jesus was saying, right? By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Super important for us, okay? All right, enough. Um, so, Alan's definition of grace is love freely given, right? Alan's definition of love, to give yourself in a sacrificial manner, regardless for the good of another, regardless of the cost to you, the merit of the other, or the response that you receive. So if you can't remember anything, maybe one of those two things you could remember, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you that you gave your son who gave his life for us, gave all that he had so that we might have life. We are grateful for that. And Father, I ask for us as a church family that we would be one, we would be good representatives of sons and daughters of yours that are in unity with each other. Help us, Lord. Um, please, that's our prayer. And um, help us to be able to do that in such a way that our community sees us and that you're glorified, we ask. Again, we keep asking for the uh, Wood family, Lord. Just um, help ease their burdens, please. Ease their burdens. We know you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.